Hi, everybody. My name is Hannah. And I'm Audrey. And today's podcast will be a discussion of mindfulness featuring Seichel yoga instructor and coach Mer Connolly. So to start us off, what started your passion for yoga and mindfulness? You know, it's my 21st year at Sage Hill School. And but before that, I was a college volleyball coach at Cornell and at UC Irvine. And I'm bringing you back to what started it, which brings me back to being a student athlete myself uh, in my early 18, 19 years old at UCLA. And just learning to maintain my own well-being, heal my own injuries, is how I started practicing yoga. And my first retreat was in those years where I, I remember I had an experience where we had to do a full day without talking in a kind of a meditation workshop. And it was just amazing uh, that effect it had on me. So I think of that and I think of also my early years of college reading a book uh, called Autobiogra- Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda, and it just opened my mind to the self-healing that can come with understanding kind of the mind-body connection and yoga. Yeah, that sounds amazing. So for our next question, what is your personal definition of mindfulness? Well, mindfulness, it seems weird because it says mindfulness, like your mind is full, but it's actually the opposite. It's just being totally in the moment. And it's, it's learning skills, whether it's paying attention to your senses, which is how something might feel, right? Or smell helps you become a little more in the moment. Uh, the best skill, I think, is to practice listening to your breath and that breathing that helps you come into the moment. So mindfulness is when your body is relaxed, physically and your mind can be still so you're just in that place of of just i am you you have that feeling that you're just almost floating you're just i am and very calm great thank you and then next how do you incorporate mindfulness into your daily life well on a good day i'll wake up usually it's my dog that's tapping on my on my slider in my bedroom around like 6 15 6 30 i'll uh i'll sit up and just do 20 minutes i won't do anything else but um just get comfortable and do a 20 minute meditation um to just start my day and then i get up and i start my day and it just seems like it makes all the difference in the world i also have the goal midday I don't know, sometimes it could be at lunchtime, sometimes it's later, maybe two or three at the end of my day. But I try to get a second session in because it just, again, it's just a way to just, any stress melts off my body, I become present again, my energy comes back, and it just gives me just energy and and, um, kind of a sense of balance to finish my day, not overreact to anything or come home and be snappy or short if I'm hungry. Like it just gives me that well-being to be calm through the rest of the day. And then next, what is the main difference between mindfulness and meditation? From my understanding, 
I would say meditation is that act of, you know, usually it's a seated meditation, but I, I have enjoyed walking meditations too. But I think mostly you have to be seated and so you can be completely still breathing and getting to a place where your mind is empty, right? Um, so it's a very specific on your breath and concentration and kind of really quieting your consciousness or getting in touch maybe with your deepest consciousness or how you're connected to the universe, right? But mindfulness, I think when I hear that is, that's when I could say to a P class, let's go on a nature hike, pay attention to your senses. And I just notice the blue sky and I can notice maybe the clouds moving, right? They're very slow, but if you really focus in on it, you could see it. So that's maybe more awareness of your senses, which also has the same result that you're very present and time kind of slows down and you're not concerned of the past or the future, right? So for me, it's truly living life. If you can be mindful, you're truly connecting and living the, the life that's in front of you. So that's where it's a little different for me than meditation, which is more kind of connecting with almost, I don't know, more of a peaceful essence of who you are. Yeah, I love how you talk about like, it's kind of like living in the moment with mindfulness. Yeah, it's living in the moment. Very key to be able to do that. Just in short snippets, maybe sitting in your car, you have a little extra time before you need to go to class or walking in between classes. It's, it's more of a kind of a skill to learn that you can just kind of do through your day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For our next question, how has yoga had a positive impact on your life? Oh, yoga's been amazing. Well, like I said, if you're going to be an athlete at any level, you need to really learn how to self-heal yourself. You can't just be going to a trainer. Oh, this hurts and that hurts, right? So practicing yoga and understanding more the mind-body connection has been just huge for me to continue to be just super active to this day to coach because whether it's just balancing out the right side of my body to my left or healing an injury, just that improved body awareness that I get with yoga is huge. And then the second part would be just the relaxation aspect I get from yoga also helps with not stressing out, being able to have the time for a workout or coach and just, again, to just be kind of be present. So it's just helped me overall, like with overall health and happiness um, and healing of injuries. Yeah. What ideals have you taken away from your yoga practice over the years? Oh, for sure. The first one that comes to mind with yoga is I think respect, you know, yoga is an eight limbed kind of eight limbed system. And the first two limbs have to do with the morals and ethics of how you live your life. And uh, some of the key ones are like respect, right? For every living thing. And, um, you know, to not be, to not grasp, to not, to not take more than you need, right? To, which is so key, to share, right? To be a giver, to, um, to not steal in, in respect, to not steal even other people's ideas, 
to really help others along their journey and to never take somebody else's idea and use it for your own is part of a yoga kind of morals and ethics um, to treat your mind and body as a temple. So to be really careful of what you're surrounding yourself with, the people you're hanging out with, um, the things I'm looking at, right, on um, the movies I'm watching, the things I'm looking at online. Yeah, it all kind of has an effect on you. So I'd say the yoga impact on my life has a lot to do with how I live my life with trying to be uh, kind, eat well, kind of accepting everybody else too with where they are at their life. You know what I mean? Not trying to change people, uh, but to try to just accept and, and welcome people with where they're at. All those things are these, are these morals and ethics that come with the yoga lifestyle. And then uh, the third limb is the asana, of course, that we practice to stay physically healthy. And then the breathing, the pranayama for the fourth limb, and then the fifth through eighth limb, I've hardly even scratched the surface. It's when you're going deeper into meditations and concentration and things like that. And I believe in the power of thought. I really do. And being quiet. And I believe that energy is around us. And that if you kind of tap into that through breathing, that it's got to be good for you. It's got to be good for others in the planet, right? So without understanding it too much, it's something that I'd like to continue to learn about. Thank you. And then the next question, what are some of your favorite exercises for deep breathing? Oh, how nice. Well, I mean, I love chest openers. (laughs) If I could go to the beach and you have the fresh air coming off the ocean, you know, and anything that opens you up, if I have a band, I love band work where I can go, I call them, uh, they're kind of, kind of pullovers, but if you have a band and you just open up and pull, you know, the band from the front of your body to the back of your body, wonderful movement, any kind of back bends are phenomenal. Anything that's opening up your chest and even a hip opener and opening up your lungs for me are one of my favorites. So yeah, for deep breathing, that helps so much. Anything that helps you become a little bit more aware of your posture, you know, once you start to raise your posture and your, and your vision and your head lifts, I think that's just so good for us to be able to take a deeper breath and be more mindful of it and slow it down. And then, then it just connects to you maybe, you know, just having a better attitude and seeing things more calmly. So yeah, I, I'd have to stick with the chest opener poses for your breath, for sure. Awesome. And then how do you keep a healthy sleep schedule? Oh, well, I'm pretty good at going to sleep about the same time. And I think if I go to sleep around the same time, then I wake up at the same time. It changes through life, your sleep. For sure, the teenage years that you're in now, you need a lot more sleep than probably I do. So, but I think what's helpful is that I go to sleep around the same time. When I can't, if I have to, if whether it's for fun that I stay up till midnight or one, right, because of a concert, or whether it's because I got behind in work and I need to stay up, I feel lousy the next day. You know, I just got that eye burn and I'm just not that sharp because I I probably still have to wake up around the same time. Okay. I'll just say seven-ish. So uh, for me, 
going to sleep at the same time is the key, I think. That's the answer, routine. How can practicing mindfulness help with our mental health? We have so many crazy thoughts. It's thousands and thousands of thoughts, you guys, that we have every day that never come true. They just come into our mind. It's kind of, I guess, how we're built with our brains. So mindfulness is so key to be able to calm our mind to where we feel distance from our thoughts so we don't have that emotional connection to it. So it doesn't give us stress or that fear or sadness or whatever it is that we're reacting to. Mindfulness and meditation is so important to control. They, they call it a monkey mind, right? Where it's jumping all over the place. So it's just key. Otherwise, we're not really truly living our life or being of service to others uh, or being healthy. So we need to be able to control all those crazy thoughts to be calm. And when they come up, sometimes, you know, just write them down, keep a journal, get into poetry, whatever it is, um, but be able to control them through the breathing. And there's other ways too of really kind of shifting your energy. I'll call it that. If you shift your energy, it changes a lot of your mind. So that whole mind-body connection piece is huge. And this is where even sometimes any kind of activity is huge to shifting energy and calming your mind. Um, so it's not so crazy. You know, you guys have felt it. You're, you know, you might be really sad or really worried and you, you go for a run or you play music and dance and if that's it, you're good again. You know, it get, helps get rid of those thoughts. So staying active and I think also nutrition and sleep, like those are the big three that can really also help us besides mindfulness on calming the, our thoughts. We have to be able to practice the skill of calming our thoughts all through life, no matter what age we are. Staying on the same topic, what do you recommend to do to relieve anxiety or calm yourself when feeling overwhelmed? Oh, well, you know, everybody's built differently. And so we'll, that I can throw the question back to you guys and just say, what is it that makes you feel calm? For some, it's going to be playing with music if they do guitar. For other, it's going to be cooking in the kitchen, right? For me, when COVID hit, um, I started doing macrame again, and that's been huge for me. It's an it's a art form, right, where I can braid, write knots, and create things. That's been awesome. For somebody else, it's going to be reading. Like, I think, I think everybody needs to kind of know those two or three things at least that help them um, find that place where they can calm down and, and become distanced from their emotions or thoughts. I, I definitely suggest everybody trying to use breath work, whether it's a calm app or just um, through a teacher at school, um, just taking deep breaths, listening to those breaths. It just has an automatic physical connection to relax your body, right? Just, you've heard it for years or basketball players at the free throw line, you know, they take a couple deep breaths right? And, and then they take their shots. It relaxes them physically. Or if I'm a volleyball player at the service line, okay, it's point game, right? I'm going to take a couple big deep breaths because it relaxes me physically and allows my mind to think about, okay, just technique, right? Good hand on the ball, good connection, good toss. 
So the breath work is key and you can access it so quickly, right? You don't need anything. It's part of who you are. So I think that's a great place to start. And it could just start with like that, like little things in your life. You take a few deep breaths before you have to public speak because it'll help you relax. But you could stretch it out and have your breathing turn into two or three minutes to five minutes to 10 minutes, you know, to I'm, I'm around 20 minutes. I don't, I don't think I really need much more. I get so much effect out of two twice a day for 20 minutes. Like I said, after that, it's personal, right? What you like uh, that can help you also be just be just just kind of lose sense of time for a minute and distance you from your thoughts and make you feel a little happier. We, we got to keep um, time for that in our day. That's the whole balance piece that my favorite banner quality balance is um, kind of thinking about that and, and learning to find those moments. Yeah. And building off that, I know personally, sometimes it can be hard to practice this sense of self-awareness as I can get distracted and have trouble like sitting still for a long amount of time without per se falling asleep. How would you recommend overcoming a preoccupied or wandering state of mind and keeping a good concentration on um, the present moment? Yeah, it is, I mean, it's not easy. Don't get me wrong. Like I have a busy mind too, but that's that word practice. I love the word practice, you guys, because all through life, that's the only way it's going to get easier and become a little bit more of a habit. With that said, there's nothing wrong with falling asleep because it means you need it. If you're trying to like breathe and just lie back, let's just say in a shavasana after a workout where you can just be lying flat on the ground, right, and breathing and you fall asleep, your body needs it and you got to let go to that. It's, the, it's key that that's step one, listening to your body. So if you fall asleep, it's fine. There's no failure. If I say I'm going to meditate for 20 minutes and after a couple minutes, like I have a thought and I just got to write it down. I, I mean, it's so clear to me that, that that's something I forgot and I got to get on. You know, that's okay. I can stop and go write it down or go do it and come back later and try meditation again. Like what I've learned, we could be so um, tough on ourselves, you know, and it's so important that we uh, give ourselves that grace to just, okay, it's not going to happen. It is what it is. And it, you just don't know. It's like when I, the last time I did a um, kind of a meditation workshop, they drew this kind of like a line with like circles spiraling down. And it was like, the longer you can sit, hopefully, you know, you're just kind of loosening and releasing some of these layers of stress, but it's, it's ongoing, you know? And so I, I would say just keep at it. Don't be uh, judgmental and um, laugh at yourself. And next, with being mindful, do you have any tips to help avoid procrastination or do you have any exercises you recommend that we could channel the energy that we put into our procrastination in order to maintain our concentration? Oh, that's a really good question. Well, one of my mottos is do the hardest things first. Uh, and then after that, there's no doubt about it. Mindfulness and taking a little time to meditate, 
helps so much with procrastination because you don't second guess yourself and you don't have that stress. Like usually I procrastinate because I have a stress around something instead of just being present and I just do it. And there's like no emotion connected to it, you know? So I, so yeah, um, I keep coming back to that mindfulness and meditation practice to help with procrastination. Another thing I think with procrastination is that we allow distractions to come into our life, right? So whether that is in this day and age, probably the phone is the biggest distraction because it kind of feels good to swipe and look at images, right, on Instagram or whatever, but it's a distraction. So they say, you know, starve your distractions, fuel your, your, your desires, your dreams. So I try to also control my surroundings. So if there's something I need to do, I'll just um, get, put my phone in another room or turn it off. Just turning off notifications of giving yourself that permission to do that on your phone, on your computer, maybe so it's not all connected every, all the time. So you could just be present and not have those distractions. Um, I think that's really big that you guys um, do that. And then the other are the distractions that don't make you feel good. So anybody that you're connected with on social media or in your life that, you know, isn't that positive, you know, just say, hey, uh, you know, I'm going to cut out for a while. I'm taking some me time or however you want to do it. But just try to kind of limit your circle, you know? A little bit and those influences in your life because then if those distractions are out then also that takes I don't know it just helps with that procrastination piece and to hang out with people that are on task or doing things helps I'm big on team I'm big on having a partner for workouts I'm big on team for accountability whether it's helping me um, eat a certain way or think a certain way or keep you know my priorities <laughs> in line in life, right? I'm big on hanging with the people that are kind of doing it that same way. That really will help with procrastination too because you won't be drawn out by, um, by somebody with different goals. Yeah, okay, that's it. <laughs> I love that. I love how you're focused on keeping this like positive circle and surrounding yourself with positive energy with people like who are really gonna lift you up in spirit. Yeah. And then my next question is, how do you prioritize things in life? For example, many of us are really focused on our like academic path, yet there's like so much more to life itself. Right. That's hard. It really is. Um, you care a lot about your academics and, and, you know, Sage is a great place for it. And you're very challenged there. I, I think it, it really helps to widen our circle a little bit. So like I could look at my own life and you, or you could look at your life and your classes, but then you could take it out, even like you're doing now with this community work of GemFest through the podcast and the other activities, you're bringing your circle out from just around yourself to a little bit bigger. And then just even this conversation, how fabulous that we're having this. Like we would never do this at school because I'd be focused on my job. You'd be focused on your classes. But like, look at the joy that's coming out of this. And so for me and you, hopefully, but for me, for sure, it's making me really happy. So I think if we can 
start a circle or like interests a little further out from ourselves, and, and that can keep going, right? You, you can go globally. But when you start to pay attention to things outside of just your academics, if you go to a friend or to a family or community like this, or, um, you know, or the environment, ultimately, I don't know, you're still going to get those same good grades. Maybe you're going to bring in some new information and more creativity. So I think, I think it's trusting. I think it's trusting that your best self and your best grades and your best work will happen actually if you let go a little. And that's hard, right? Because you're like, no, I can't do it. I need to focus on work. No, I'm not going to go out this weekend. I need to do homework. And I hear that so much and it saddens me because I truly believe that your best work will happen if you give yourself a little extra space and time. You know, I truly believe that you're going to get into the colleges that you're best fit for if you're just more interesting and more grounded and you have more stories to tell, not just a GPA and a good essay because you know how to write. So I think it's like just kind of trusting that and encompassing like that philosophy of what success is. But I, I know it's not easy because there's such a push for grades and test scores. But I, I truly believe, especially after going through a global pandemic, that it's really shifted a little bit everybody's consciousness to like, hey, you know, there's other things that are more important. And so, yeah, I would just encourage you to take those chances, get out of your comfort zone a little, and do some things outside of just academics, yeah. On another note, how much time would you recommend that, like you like to dedicate for mindfulness in a day or a week? On a really good day, I can do two times 20 minutes, morning and afternoon. And if that doesn't mean I'm just sitting, it's at least I'm just consciously trying to just get out of my head. Start with three times five minutes, you know, something in the morning, something afternoon, something at home. Once you get home would be a great place to start, right? And then you just just keep pulling at it a little bit and expanding it. Perfect. Thank you so much. And then especially to now in the age of technology, um, do you have any tips about being mindful through social media? Oh, absolutely. You know, I just think it's such a simple rule, but if I was to look at your social media page or Instagrams, I would hope that those words that I feel from you being in your presence would be shown through your sites, you know? And if not, I would say, what am I posting? What am I making important? I, I think it's really important that there's such a beautiful, wonderful power to social media these days if it's representing who we truly are, right? Or if it's working for good. But so many times we get caught up in a blame game or complaining or bringing down others. And I think that's where social media goes bad, right? Clearly with any kind of um, cyberbullying. So yeah, I would say that 
mindfulness can totally show itself through our social media. Absolutely. And to just to really try to let your um, true qualities, those that you want people to know about you to shine through your posts. And I think then it could just, then that could attract others and it could feed you. And the next thing you know, they're sending you stuff, which makes you feel better, you know? So yeah, I think that's a good way. How do you find time to incorporate these like little breaks into your daily life? Because I know for some of us, we can get like really busy with other stuff, but definitely just like spending some quality time. It's not, it's not easy. It's hard for me. I, I naturally want to always think about doing something for someone else. It's been a lifelong challenge for me to um, incorporate more time for myself so I can keep myself feeling well. And um, I, again, I come back to routine. I'm really trying to hold on to a routine um, as I can tend to be, like I said, kind of tasky or just doing for others. Um, taking those walks have been really important for me. Not skipping meals, as simple as it is for me and for many people, that could be easy. So, it's just been really making routine important, nutrition important. Uh, I'd say definitely the sleep routine, eating, the self-care that I've been trying to do a little bit more of is, uh, yeah, more in that art. If being physical because I coach and in my mind is, is easy. The art side of me, I need to um, schedule a little bit more, like the macrame or art to just write a letter or I love drawing. I have to schedule that in a little bit more, but um, I feel so good when I do it, so much more balance. So it's really a concerted effort. It really is to, um, to take that time, you know, for yourself in a busy schedule. You just really need to plan it, I think. Otherwise, it's kind of easy that it just gets away from you. And you're like, oh, I didn't eat well today. Darn it, I don't feel good, right? You know? So yeah, it's habits. Perfect. And then with the world of technology, do you recommend keeping a journal? I do. I think journaling is great. I, I don't have like one set journal, but a lot of people do. But I love writing down things. I think it's a part of our uh, expression, self-expression. So I think it would be great. It's always good to write down things, your thoughts, you can come back to it and read it. If you're feeling a little low, you're, you can go back and read something when you felt like everything was so clear to you, right? Like what was important in your life and how you wanted to do something was so clear to you. Write it down because then you can come back and visit it. And it's so helpful. You're like, wow, that was so true. Do you have any apps that you would recommend for yoga or mindfulness? Oh, well, you know, I've tried a lot of them and uh, again, everybody's different, but I think the Calm app works very, very well. They're constantly evolving and growing. They have a narrator, a male voice, a female voice. They have music. Um, they have, you know, techniques for helping you fall asleep if you can't fall asleep. So that's Calm. There's Mindspace. Music is big. You guys know that. So any kind of music uh, app that works for you. I don't know if it's Apple Music or iTunes. 
but I love uh, my music. So those are some of my favorites. Perfect. And then next, broadly, how do you respond to challenges? It's been pretty easy for me when I get a challenge to stop, think about it, and try to shift it into an opportunity for growth, right? An opportunity to try to look at something differently, to say, okay, COVID comes up, how can I grow? How can I shift? How can I see this as an opportunity? And sometimes it's very hard, especially if it has to do with sadness. I found, you know, loss. How, how, can, I, how can you make that type of challenge or grieving positive, but it's all going to hit us in life, right? These challenges. So any way you can try to say, what can I do with this? How can I shift? How can I pivot my thinking and not blame others in, in certain situations? If there's change or a policy or a rule I don't like, okay, what am I going to do with this? How can I help me pivot and shift? to go in a different direction or just change the way I'm doing something. So I think that's really important. And again, from any age, we can kind of do that. It's kind of that problem solving piece or critical thinking part of our brain that we just sometimes need to use. And also other times it'll just force us to have to let go. We just got to let go of control, you know, and that's again, where mindfulness and meditation really, really help we want to try to control the outcomes of things and it just it just doesn't work that way so sometimes you just need to let go of control and you can meditate and then you could stay away and then you have that space and you just okay you're just not going to care as much you know you're going to go in a different direction with your energy which is smart because a lot there's a lot that's out of our control that's where i i said say routine you're sleeping you're eating who you're surrounding yourself with, right? Your thoughts, you can kind of control that. But outside of that, there's a whole lot that's outside of our control. So I think that you just learn to flow with it, pivot, learn from it, change. That's amazing. How do you find ways to de-stress and unwind at the end of the day? Oh, I love walking my dog. I walk them three or four times a day. For me, being physical has always been one of the ways that I like to unwind. But like I said, for others, it could be something different. To help me unwind, stretching, it's just immediate for me. If I stretch, right? Yoga or stretching, it just really helps release, right? Rollers, I love rolling it out. Everybody should have a roller. <laughs> but that helps me. Perfect. And then finally, what is one tip of advice that you would give to our listeners about remaining mindful? I would just say that it's so important to accept yourself for who you are, self-acceptance, and to not continually be thinking again of the past, of what happened, or the future, what you want to be. But just that self-acceptance and gratitude for what you have tends to just kind of anchor us down in the moment. And I think that's really, really important uh, at a time when there's so many outside influences. I think it's just key to be kind to yourself, to practice kindness to yourself and others, and gratitude. I think that's a really good 
place to be. Thank you so much, Coach Connolly, for being today's GEM podcast guest. You continue to inspire others by taking every day with your best foot forward and by continuing to share your contagious smile. Thank you for being such an amazing role model. Thank you so much. Namaste.